0: Add Fitbod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me/slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D.me/slash Zabe. Today on the Zabecast, no football. No problem. I spent all weekend watching cross-country skiing in luge. What? Waste of time? Did you see how bad the weather was around here? Special guest today, former co-host and long-ago producer Al Galdi, the king of analytics, will talk cha-cha-cha, Maryland hoops, and more. That plus another case of the internet making all of us worse human beings. You got about 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! <laughs> I know it's just one game, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, that new look Cavs roster, though. Mm, mm, mm. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Monday, Feb 12, 2018. Thank you for your download. Thank you for your earballs. I hope to entertain for the next 45 or so minutes. Speaking of the Cavaliers and that big win in Boston on Sunday. Not only was it a big win for the Cavaliers, but the other big winner was one, Paul Pierce, who got to have his day uninterrupted by any Isaiah Thomas tribute video. Funny how that all worked out, isn't it? And somebody I heard said that he was scheduled to have his jersey retired by the University of Washington, but because he had you know worked it around the Celtics schedule, no, I guess it would have been the Cavaliers' schedule. Because he had worked out the day to go up to Washington on an off day when the Cavaliers weren't playing, Isaiah Thomas is going to get to have his nice day up in Seattle. And it turns out since he was traded to the Lakers, oh no, the Lakers are playing that day, and so that too is going to have to be rescheduled. Funny how it all works out. The Olympics. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. And those are not contradictory. They don't cancel each other out. They both exist in the same plane and in the same universe at one time. Let me explain why. First of all, here's what's great about the Olympics. What's great about the Olympics is the fact that America finally has an individual medalist in the event of luge. That's right. We have an Olympic medalist in luge finally his name is chris Mazdzer. that's two z's maszer although i think it's just pronounced chris master he is a smiling cocky very media savvy the guy's great in interviews i've seen him a couple of times now i shouldn't say cocky i, I don't want to put it that way that, that's a negative connotation I, I would just say that he is a dynamic personality when you put the camera on him and you interview him, and he ended up taking silver in the men's individual luge, which is a first for our country. We have never had an individual men's medalist in luge. The way it went down was interesting because I was watching the final runs, and I saw where you know this guy Felix Loch of Germany. Felix Loch, ooh, the German. Come on, save. You're gonna play the Burns German bite, right? Well, of course, I'm going to play the Burns Germans. Oh,
1: another Friday is
0: upon us. Oh, sorry. Different Burns there. Uh, Burns, Germans. Oh, the
1: Germans are mad at me. I'm so scared. Oh, the Germans.
0: Uh oh, the Germans
1: are coming to get me. Oh,
0: don't let the Germans come after me. Please stop the pretending you're scared. Stop (laughs) it. So, the final run was by Felix Lock of Germany. Now, he was not going to knock out. Mazder for a medal so he was already happy and celebrating and his family and friends were there at the end of the the run and it was a great scene so it's just going to be a matter of would Felix Locke win gold again for the third straight Olympics he is like this German sledding phenom a German lugeing phenom a pedigree because his father either was the coach or is the coach it doesn't matter his father was a lugeing legend himself, and as they said in the broadcast, he has been around luge runs ever since he was in a stroller. So here he comes down, and he ends up screwing up on one turn. You could barely see it. It went by in a blink, just like, what happened there? And the announcer was like, oh, no, whoa, what was that? And then he finishes off the stand. But what's amazing about winning a gold is the journey it takes to win a gold in a sport like luge, which I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, There's no money in luge, even if you are a multiple-time gold medal winner. Now, maybe Felix Locke, back in Germany, never pays for a meal, always has a big stein of beer hoisted in his honor, and he is known on every street corner. Maybe. I'm guessing even Felix Locke is not. In America, there's really no money in luge. There's no professional league for luge. You might get on a Wheaties box. You might get some engagements, uh, speaking engagements post Olympics about, hey, and now we've got Olympic silver medalist uh, Chris Mazder to talk today about what it was like to win a medal in luge. And then there's you know, the Holiday Inn off of some highway in <laughs> Heartland America for for two thousand dollars. He's making appearances. Again, I'm not belittling. You, you might think, why are you belittling this guy? He's a great American, he's a champion. he won a, he won a silver. I'm not belittling. I'm saying it's even more amazing that he would struggle like this and fight like this to become a medalist for no money. According to this New York Post piece, uh, give credit Associated Press, Associated Press, excuse me, as rerun by the New York Post. It was a medal that seemed almost improbable a few weeks ago when Mazder, who finished the World Cup season not even close to the medal stand and 18th overall in the final rankings, 18th, by the way, went public with his season-long struggles in a social media post. Said Mazder, quote, there comes a point where giving it everything you have and believing in yourself starts to fade away, and I am almost to that point. For some reasons unknown to myself, things are not working out as planned. He then said, though, there is a light somewhere in this dark cave that I feel I am stumbling aimlessly through at times, and you better damn believe I'm going to find it. So he got to work, says the Associated Press. He would tinker with his sled until 1 or 2 a.m. some nights. He would ask competitors if he could lay on their sleds and get ideas. That's sort of weird, right? Hey, can I lay on your sled? Yeah, just uh, buy a dinner first. You know, just start slowly with it. He would lay on competitors' sleds and get ideas for what to do with his own. Oh, oh! I see. Let's put uh, power steering in, in this sled. I did not have that in mine. Somehow he found his groove again. Uh-huh, uh-huh, irony, groove, get it, luge, sledding. He ends up to win a silver medal. Did I mention the margin that it took to win a silver medal? The winner, David Gleischer of Austria, Surprise winner. Although the Austrians are no chumps when it comes to luge and bobsled, their forte is really downhill skiing. Just like the Dutch's forte is cross-country, Austria, they're okay. The Germans are the kings of the ice sled. David Gleischer of Austria was the surprise winner. In his four runs at the sliding center in Pyeongchang, His time came out to 3 minutes, 10.702 seconds. That's right. They count up the four runs, all four, and they add them together. These runs are less than a minute each. And so what it takes to win a medal in luge is four great runs in which you're the fastest combined. 3 minutes, 10 seconds, .702. Second place, Mazder finished 3 minutes, 10 seconds, 0.728. So in other words, 26 one-hundredths of a second? I don't know how you'd count that going to the right of the decimal point. I believe the first decimal point is tenths of a second. The second decimal point is got to be a hundredths of a second. I guess the third would be thousandths of a second? So... I think I'm right in saying this. It's the it's 26 one-thousandths of a second different. In other words, the blink of not only my eye, the blink of a gnat's eye. Oh, you know gnat's don't have eyes. You get the point. It's a tiny, infinitesimal difference accumulated over three runs. Like one run in which the difference was 26 one-hundredths or one-thousandths of a second. Don't quote me on which one it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, The literal blink of an eye. If that was the difference in one run for the Luge medal, that'd be amazing. It's over four runs. And this guy, for no money, is banging away late at night, frustrated, trying to figure out, why can't I sled faster? There to greet him after he finished his run and was insured at least a medal, which is all he really wanted. I mean, sure, he would want gold, but the point was, let's get on that podium. First things first. We've never been on the podium. Let's get on the podium. His family, his friends are there. They are in tears. They have traveled with him at all these competitions, no doubt, but they have traveled with him across the globe down to South Korea, paid who knows what for flights, paid who knows what for hotels, paid who knows what for rental cars and or shuttle buses, stood outside for hours and hours and hours in the bone-freezing cold to watch their son, their daughter, or excuse me, their son, their husband, their friend, their buddy, whomever, go whizzing by in an imperceptible and they couldn't have been happier for him. That is purity right there. That is the purity of sports and of striving and of trying to be better. And that's the greatest part of the Olympics. No money in it. It's one thing to do all that and know that you're going to be a first-round pick in the NBA and you're going to get money, money, money. Or as Cooley once said, books go away, money come to me. I love that about the Olympics. I will never get tired of stories like that. I will never get tired of that essential fact about these obscure winter games. People do it for the love of it, to try to achieve, and because there's something in them that says, I, I want to do this. I want to be one of the best in the world at this. Not of the bad part of the games. Did you know that they were only down, they they almost ran out of bidding cities for the next Winter Olympics. Yes, they almost ran out of cities that even wanted to have the Olympics. It takes 10 years of planning just to be in the running to host the Olympics. 10 years of planning before they even give you an Olympics. How crazy is that? And not only that, but the city of Chicago spent an estimated $100 million on the campaign alone to host the 2016 Summer Games. And, of course, they lost. Boston famously pulled its bid for the 2024 Summer Games after a citizen group called No Boston Olympics convinced the city otherwise. That's great. That's almost like the Boo Ben Kanop of committees or or citizens groups. Boo! Boo Olympics! No Olympics here! Go away! The No Boston Olympics, I love that name, said, are you crazy? We're going to waste a lot of money trying to host these things? Get out of here. Twelve cities bid for the 2004 Games Only five cities bid for the 2020 Games, and only two bid on the 2022 Winter Games, which is China and Kazakhstan. China ended up winning it, although I really wished Borat would have lit the Olympic flame in the glorious, make-good Republic of Kazakhstan. In 2014, current IOC president Thomas Bach suggested a list of 40 actions the IOC could take to shape the future of the Olympic movement. Yeah? How about don't charge an arm and a leg? How about don't have cost overruns? Did you know that apparently the last 50 years, every Olympics has gone over budget? The Sochi Winter Olympics went over budget by $41 billion. The budget was $10 billion. They went over it by 41. Also, bid cities used to make some nice money on the Olympics because they were getting a cut of the TV revenue. In the 90s, for example, it took 4% of revenue. The Olympic Committee did. Uh, they carved out 4% for themselves. Now they take 70% of the TV money. So the money that cities used to say, well, it's a lot. Of, it's a pain in the ass. It's 10 years to apply. Uh, it costs a lot to build velodromes and ski jumps and luge runs. But guess what? We're going to make money in the end. we just got to stick with this. Nowadays, that's not even the case. These cities lose their ass. I'd like to say something's going to change. I'd like to hope things will be different or better, but, well, I've been around long enough to say I know better. Oh, my God, JR! That's his music! I told you I was going to bring on... Some friends of Zabe. I think our guest is a friend of Zabe. He only is my former co-host and my former protege, former producer. You know him now as the host of the Morning Blitz on ESPN 980. Hello, Galdi. Zabe, what is up, my friend? (laughs) Cliche to use the Stone Cold intro. Good to see Stone Cold back recently.
1: He looks jacked, too, brother.
0: <laughs> looks, like, looks like he's been doing a lot of high reps and eating a lot of what?
1: Oh, yeah, skinless chicken breasts and uh, perhaps a few other items are entering the bloodstream. Who knows?
0: <laughs> skinless chicken and high reps. That Goldie, that was one of your great contributions. That and cha-cha-cha, which we'll get to uh, yes. in just a second. But, uh, yeah, the skinless chicken and high reps. Sure, you're not jacking. You're not no. dosing. You're not no. juicing. You're just you're working out right.
1: Austin looks as big today, if not bigger, than 20 years ago at his peak. Like, he's in his 50s now. He looks awesome. Really? Yeah, he looks really good.
0: Okay. By the way, speaking of doping, did you watch the 60 Minutes piece uh, yesterday? Although you probably was on too late. What time do you go to bed, oh, by the way?
1: Yeah, I'm back to going to bed anywhere between, like, 5.30 and 6.30. so. So
0: you would not have seen the 60 Minutes piece with the guy who blew the lid on the Russian doping That blew up the Sochi Olympics.
1: No, I want to see that, though.
0: (laughs) It's great because basically he said their scheme to evade the testing was a hole in the wall (laughs) behind a cabinet through which they would pass the tainted samples of urine. And they would then whisk them out to another lab in Sochi where the Russians would uh, somehow unlock the tamper-proof lids and then bring the piss back. They would replace it with better piss and repli- bring it back and shove it through the hole in the wall.
1: That That is, I mean, like you talk about sophistication, right? We've had like the Wizenator over the years, things like right. that. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was like
0: a lab-sized Wizenator where they're like, yeah. well, why don't we just cut a hole, we'll pass them through, we'll fix them, and they'll send them back. So, that is too good. Anyway, all right, let's start with this. We've got a $1,000 beef to squash, you and I. Uh-oh. The lingering $1,000 RG3 bed, which has been hung up in customs because – Uh, You tell me that I have not yet given you and your lovely bride a a, a wedding gift. Well, that that was
1: always my counter. It was, okay, I'm not forking over the G until I get the wedding gift, and then we can maybe negotiate.
0: Have you seen a wedding gift lately?
1: I have not. No. Okay, good. I, I think
0: not. that's I think that's for a reason. I want this thing to be perpetually hung up in customs. That's a better story for the bet than actually think anyone is. actually paying anybody.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cuz I don't got $1000 to give to anybody these days.
0: Well, well, then you shouldn't have bet the $1000. Well, See? it was
1: more to make a point, which I was wrong on. <laughs> it I <was> I, more... <laughs> I still can't get over that he got that kind of money, although he lasted about 30 seconds with Cleveland. He
0: yeah. did. See, you were kind of you and Cooley were kind of more right about that than me in that your point at the time And for those that are unfamiliar with uh, the history of this bet, once RG3 was let go by the Redskins, I said that he would sign a contract for at least, how much guaranteed?
1: It was like between... Five million guaranteed? Yeah, it was something like, it was really low,
0: Okay, and I think he got one year, seven million guaranteed or something like that from the Browns, an old Hugh Jackson. yeah. And so he barely made it by the skin of his teeth. But it was like the only offer he really had. And he's long since been out of the league ever since. So your point and Cooley's point was basically he's hanging on to playing in the league by a thread. And my point was like, no, he'll get passed around three or four more times. Right? right? Don't you recall that as yeah. the oh, yeah. essence no. of what we were saying?
1: And, and I think what I underestimated, and we saw that that off season with the Osweiler contract, was, and obviously we've seen it here with the Kirk stuff, is that these quarterbacks, even the worst of them, they get paid. They get something. And so he got more something than I thought he would get, but... I don't know about you. I think he's done now. This is it. Like oh. he ain't coming back. He he's in that Manzel territory, which you were right on too. I do have to say, because I always thought that Manzel at some point <laughs> would get a tryout with someone. And while he's trying to make a comeback here, I saw that clip of him on Good Morning America. Doesn't look like it's happening anytime. He
0: soon. says he's diagnosed as bipolar. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe. <laughs> Why didn't they catch that earlier? Good question. What's the difference, Goldie, between being certified bipolar? and just a douchebag who does too many too dr- too many drugs.
1: The former yields more sympathy. Oh,
0: oh, okay, yes, yes exactly. Yeah. I I just it's so funny because there was definitely concerns but no one really wanted to kind of go, "Hey, wait a minute. This guy is a bad guy." Of course, teams overlook bad guys coming out of the draft all the time, hoping and thinking Nah, he's going to straighten up and fly. Right. Reuben Foster, yes. you saw him. Yes. It's like, he had problems. He had a, a diluted drug test in college.
1: You know, I've always thought this, too, and this is a much different conversation, but how come everyone who commits murder doesn't plead insanity or mental illness in some way? Like, wouldn't – isn't that, like, the ultimate go-to defense? Because there's got to be something wrong with you if you're killing another human being without just cause right so like shouldn't that always be the defense of, I, that'd be a good place with...
0: to start but then you've got to prove you're insane yeah right like how do you do that effectively no yeah. uh, who knows okay so let's uh, let's focus on the kirk cha 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 first yes. of all what was the inspiration for your great moniker of cha 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 which was the back and forth between the redskins and rg th- or, excuse me redskins and kirk and his yeah. agents that ultimately resulted in nothing
1: so it really hit me one day because, you know, every morning you come in and you try to, as you know, I know, right, you want to come up with stuff to talk about. Something new. And every morning it was something from Kirk or something from Bruce or something from Scott. It was always something. And it had become this back and forth dance. And so it got me to think, OK, what's what's a good dance I could use here? to kind of gimmick this thing up and so i went through a, a list of all right what what, what would sound good and did you course, actually
0: google search dances
1: i don't know if i did or not but i went through like okay there's like the walls. <laughs> do you know
0: the cha-cha
1: no i have no concept of how to you didn't take cha-cha, dance cha-cha. classes
0: in advance of your wedding to you with your beautiful bride no because no. some couples do that you know
1: oh i know i know no so, I, I everything i learned about dancing i learned from early 90s
0: mtv that's that's the extent of my dance knowledge uh, there's break uh there is yeah, uh, yeah exactly flash yeah. What other kinds of dancing are there? Uh, th- those the
1: Running Man. I mean, there's all kinds of like individual <laughs> things. Shopping cart. You know, you can go. But yeah, Here, so I'm on
0: list of dance categories on uh, on Wikipedia. Holy okay. crap, there are a lot of them.
1: Electric slide, right?
0: Uh, I mean, first of all, it's broken down into subcategories. There must be a hundred different dances. Okay, so you came up with the cha-cha. By the way, you'd say that every day there would be something either between from Bruce or from Kirk. There was always something. Yet, Goldie. It was always nothing.
1: And that was the point. Exactly. It all was, it was empty calorie talk. It all exactly. meant nothing in the end. And so it became this comical back and forth. You didn't know who to believe, what to believe, and yet it went on and on and on. And it reminded me also, and I played this clip quite a bit, of when Kramer on Seinfeld talked about the timeless art of seduction. <laughs> and I
0: don't think I've ever played that one.
1: Yeah, it's a good one because it's about a guy and a girl and she pursued and i withdrew and i pursued and she withdrew and so we danced and that's what this was this was one guy would say something another guy would say something but ultimately it led to nothing
0: <laughs> yeah and the funny thing was that it, it was such things like bruce saying of course we'll, we'll get a deal done right can't be that hard right and and, you, was- and and the suckers amongst our fan base or the hope the hopelessly hopeful let me put it that way they would then say, see, see, relax. You guys are making something out of nothing. And Kirk would respond to the, of course, we'll get a deal done. This shouldn't be that hard. Kirk would respond with, oh, of course I want to be here. This is where I want to play football. And we'd say, really, is it? And it, like you said, empty calories versus empty calories.
1: Yeah, and, and the other part of it, too, was how unnecessary it was. And that was, of course, driven home with the Garoppolo extension last week, where it's like, here's a guy, seven career starts, and more than a month out of free agency, they get an extension done. And it's like, you see how easy it can be. It yeah, doesn't it, have to. It
0: was easy, Golly, because they did what? They jumped over right. the baseline of what the franchise tag would have cost and added 15% on top of that and said, this should do you. And, and both, Garoppolo said, sure.
1: Right. And both sides genuinely wanted to make a deal happen. So it's not as nearly as hard
0: as no. we made it out to be. It's not as hard if you truly want the guy. But you and I, I think, know. They never wanted Kirk. He was never their guy.
1: No, which is funny though, because you can argue, and I would, that Kirk is one of the great day three draft picks this decade, and why the organization never fully embraced that of we made a really shrewd pick in the fourth round of two thousand twelve. Ah, you say
0: we, because I think they 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 realized it was Shanahan that made that pick.
1: But it was all Mike, really. Like none of, nobody else was in on that. Like that, just... you
0: know, knowing the way the Redskins work, Aldi. I think when Mike said in the war room, "Let's take this kid in the fourth round." They're like, eh, whatever. But like, they thought our guy is RG three. This guy you're taking is going to be a perennial backup. He'd be the next Houston uh, uh, or not Houston. Uh, who is the Stanford quarterback that was a seventh rounder that looked good? Oh boy. Oh, Husack, Todd
1: <laughs> Husack, not Houston,
0: yeah. but Husack. Yeah. yeah, Todd Husack. They probably thought he'll be another Colt Brennan or a Todd Husack, and yeah. you can just have him, and he's going to wither away. But we've got our guy, RG three.
1: Yeah, it's just funny to me because Bruce technically at the time was the general manager. His title was executive vice president slash general manager. And even though, like you said, that was a Mike pick, the Kirk pick, you still would think there could be some rewriting of history. And you say, hey, look, I was the GM. I took him. We embrace him. He's our guy. We're so proud of this pick. And it's like you never got the sense of that these last
0: few years. That said, how psyched are you for Alex Smith?
1: Well, look. I think Kirk's a better quarterback. I hate the circumstances that led us to this. I have a lot of questions about Alex and his age, and he's a guy who's only going to say the same or get worse, not get better. But he is, I think, an upper half of the NFL quarterback. He's a guy you can win with. And so from that standpoint, I'm excited. But do I like how this whole thing played out? No. Do I – look at this and say, boy, was this really the best course of action? I don't know how anyone can say that with any kind of certainty right now.
0: Do you – so you're worried about his – age? see, like, one thing about the deal I don't care that much about is the age difference. Okay. Because I think for the usability portion of the contract, Alex Smith will be fine. He's obviously a guy who's dedicated to how he is fitness-wise. He's no McNabb, in other words. You look at the guy and you're like, okay, this guy's dialed in. I think he'll play as well as Alex Smith can play – deep into his 30s the big question for me is how good can he be with us in our system with our talent set which I think is not as good as Kansas City's right now. yeah
1: I think that's accurate but I also would say with Kirk there still was that room for improvement like this past season he got better at the off schedule play step forward in terms of improvement with Alex he is what he is at this point like I don't see him taking a step forward in any measurable way. The only hope here is that he just stays at where he's at, which is a top 15 guy with Kirk. I think there's still room for growth. The other thing with Alex too is while numerically, he's not that much older than Kirk. It's like four plus years. There's a lot more NFL mileage on Alex's body, right? He came into the league in Oh five. Kirk didn't come in the league until 12. Right. And that is something I would be concerned about, but yeah, I mean, I wishing- also
0: played more early on in his career and got beat up a ton early in his career when it was looking like this guy's a bust
1: yes yeah and and that is one of the unique things about the alex Smith story right he went from being a total bust of a number one overall pick to a guy who's actually had a pretty nice career
0: now yeah i'm trying to think there probably is no comp of a guy who was taken in the top five who was declared a bust and then somehow resurrected himself and then somehow got traded for by a team in kansas city Who then was happy to have him before trading him to the Redskins, where he may be pretty good again.
1: Yeah, no, it's very hard to find. He's had a very unique career.
0: Yeah. So, uh, did you enjoy battling all the people? Do you ever see, do you ever comprehend how split the fan base became over Kirk? Did that not blow you away like it did me, taking calls from some people and, and getting texts and emails from the vitriolic hatred for our own? Record-setting quarterback. I could never get my head over that. What blew me
1: away was how we went from one ultra-divisive quarterback saga with Robert to one that you could argue was even more divisive <laughs> yes. in the Kirk saga. Like, that to me, I, I that is still incredible to me. That you followed one soap opera with one that you could argue was even larger. I thought we would never have anything like the Robert thing again.
0: How about the fact that Robert was, factually speaking, a bust, and yet some people would still say he wasn't given a chance. I know you've taken those calls before. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Kirk was factually, undeniably a success with franchise record-setting seasons, and yet some insist he was not that good.
1: Right, and people kept moving the goalpost on Kirk, too, to where he's not a starting quarterback to he's not a very good starting quarterback to where he's just a bunch of empty numbers. He's a starting he
0: quarterback who's not worth that much money. Right,
1: right. It was like, geez, can, can the- you concede that this guy has surpassed expectations? Can you please do that? And, and they, way too many people wouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, and, and when it comes to stats, I love it when people cite rings and win losses. Oh, like, God. those are not stats. Oh. makes me sick. uh, Here's a stat for you. How many playoff games has he won? (laughs) Wrong. That's not a stat, you dummy. Yeah, I know. That's just a number. It's not a stat. Speaking of stats, so advanced metrics, analytics, stats, and bullshit. Let's sort out the four categories. First of all, is there a difference between so-called advanced metrics and, quote, analytics?
1: No, it's kind of, it's like one way of saying each thing. Uh, or one way of saying the same thing, I should say.
0: Okay, and what are so-called analytics?
1: You know, it's kind of like you know it. It's like porn. You know it when you see it. Okay. Like it, it's basically what you would deem a non-traditional statistic Traditional, for a
0: sport. like let's take baseball. Traditional stats are RBIs, batting percentage, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, right. And so analytics would be like wins above replacement. War. Like
0: war. How about Babbitt, my favorite, you tell me.
1: Babbitt is Balls, a big one.
0: Balls. Against, no, wait. What was it?
1: Batting average. On Batting balls average against in play. balls in
0: play. Yeah. Babbit. Yeah. Vorp, value over replacement player.
1: It's like an early version
0: of war, is Vorp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's son like, of war? Yes. It's premature or war. Not son of war. It's grandfather of war. Exactly. Yeah. Do you believe in war? I love war. And I, how, do you know how it's calculated?
1: I've looked. I mean, it's ultra complicated, the math, and I don't pretend to understand the math. Is but, it a
0: chalkboard the size of Goodwill Hunting that oh calculates war?
1: If, if you have. An hour and a half to kill. Go to baseball reference, and they lay out step-by-step step how they compute war. It's, uh, it will put you to sleep. It's <laughs> Really? Unbelievable. Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Have mathematical people that also know baseball, though, helped confirm its usefulness?
1: Yeah, well, war is based on an economic principle of trying to drill down value into one number. So it, it, it's and it's not meant as gospel. It's just okay. How do we take everything a, ba- a baseball player does and boil it down to one number? So you take his offense, his defense, his base running. You you put it into one pot and but you but you, but come
0: you come weight all it. those elements right exactly yeah because exactly. base running is not as important as your hitting or correct. hitting for power
1: correct yeah, and there are those who say that defense weighs too heavily in war that, uh, that's a debate among us nerds you know okay. how much should you value defense
0: so they they boil it all into one pot and they come up with a number which is wins above replacement now define replacement
1: so a replacement level player is like a four A player so. Too good for AAA, but not really that good for Major League Baseball. And the idea is if this guy got hurt and you went with a replacement player, how much better is this guy versus that replacement player you'd be going with?
0: Okay, and replacement player would be just a guy you pick up from anywhere or yeah, AAA-level yeah. player?
1: Yeah, like, again, like a 4A guy. So he's, he's, he's too good for AAA, but he's not a guy you would deem starter-worthy for the
0: major league level. Okay. Now, in addition to what we'll call advanced metrics or analytics or stats and numbers that are being cooked up to sort of figure out what, what guys really matter in sports, we're entering a whole new age, as you know, Galdi, in which we are measuring things – that we never were able to measure before. Yes. And in specific, a, a, a stat or a metric or whatever you want to call it that I liked was called TISAL Okay. for John Wall. Time spent standing or walking. Oh, yes. Apparently, John Wall's Tissow, as measured by the high-tech missile tracking system that's installed in NBA arenas, discovered that the only guy that stood around more was Dirk Nowitzki, who's 106 years old.
1: Yes. Not now, a good
0: look right there.
1: No, now, that better be because of the knee. I tend to think it was. But yeah, this is the next level for analytics, Abe. It's things like stat cast in baseball, next-gen stats in football. What's
0: stat cast in baseball?
1: So it's this they measure,
0: they measure, don't they, how close fielders get to fielding baseballs?
1: Yeah, so they measure all kinds of stuff. But that's one of the big ones is finally Exit now.
0: velocity of a of, uh, bat, Launch angles, okay. things
1: like that. Route efficiency. On, so on a fly ball, does the fielder oh, take the best right. route to the ball? Because <laughs> what we've learned over the years is that just because you make a diving catch doesn't mean you made a great play. You may have taken an inefficient route to the ball right. and then had to dive for the ball. So things like that have popped up. But, yeah, in the NBA now, they have these tracking mechanisms. That counts how many steps a guy runs, how much, like you said, he walks, His things like that. work
0: rate. Oh,
1: yeah, it's tremendous.
0: How many times he crosses half court on fast breaks, which in the case of Kevin Duckworth would have been once every 7,936 fast breaks. May he rest in peace. May yes. he rest in peace. Sorry, yes. don't speak ill of the dead. No, no. Well, this is some interesting shit. Like, like, it'll be a ripe area to be abused and to be misunderstood yeah. and to be misapplied into and, untruths, but right. there's a potential to really rethink entirely how certain sports work.
1: Yes, and I think it's, we're trying to tackle things that we've never had a good grip on. So like in baseball, people have gone by errors for years to measure defense, and it's such a faulty way of looking at defense. So it, there's got to be a better way. Like that was always the thought process. So this is a better way. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's gospel but it's a better way of, of examining, okay, who's good and who's not when it comes to doing this.
0: Yeah. All right. Before you get out of here today, I thank you for your time. You're a very busy man. Was sure. it Leg and Back Day today on a Monday? Leg and uh, back no, today day? is
1: going to be chest and tries.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, big day. All right, how do you feel about your uh, 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 your alma mater, Maryland basketball? Uh, it saddens me, and, and not
1: just because they're probably not going to make the tournament, but it's hard to remember a time in which Maryland basketball just hasn't mattered so much right and that is particularly painful it's just not on the radar for a lot of people and I remember 15 years ago I think Maryland basketball was the number two in this city after the Redskins
0: and- well yeah you're right because it was the last championship we've had yeah apologies oh. DC United yeah right you're gonna get those <laughs> tweets at get Zabe there. yeah at go ahead Zabe. don't at me as they like to say on Twitter yeah. yeah
1: but now man I mean where would you put it five six I mean it's really fallen in it's years.
0: it's really bad and how do you feel about turgeon are you ready to say if they don't make the tournament time to make a change
1: i'm not i think first of all there's a tremendous irony here because he's gotten a bunch of recruits that gary williams supposedly never got but it has not translated into the success on the court that we thought it would i think he's a good coach i don't think he's a great coach i i think though there are two things that he's got to take a long hard look at a he keeps getting these highly rated recruiting classes and these guys end up just not being as good as they're built up to be and then b they've had an issue with guys coming into the program and they just don't seem to get appreciably better and one of the examples of this is this guy michael Tchaikovsky, who i thought was going to be a stud a few years ago i thought he was going to be better than alex len who Cheko, you know, yeah wasn't that great to begin with and he's just kind of stayed the same and it's like where is the improvement where's the guy you look at and you say, wow, two years ago he was this, and now he's so much more. It's like you haven't had that, and I think that's been particularly disappointing.
0: Turgeon missed the first three years he was in, then made the last tournament the last three years, but this year looks like a miss. And I'm just assuming your checks are still going as alumni checks, your big, fat, sweet radio checks going to support the program. Every month. Every Look, I think Turgeon's a good guy. I think he's a good defensive
1: coach. Uh, I know the, the X's and O's nerds get on him for his offense, but – I don't think they made the wrong hire him getting him, but he has to, and they've given him a lot of time in his contract, too. It's another thing. He's got a ton of time. But, man, it's been really disappointing to see how off the radar Maryland basketball has fallen.
0: Golly, I can say without any reservation, I miss you and Cooley in the afternoons, but I'm glad you're thriving in the pre-dawn hours on the team, 980. That's right. That'd be the That's morning flex. Right. So you want to plug anything on the way out the door here?
1: Uh, I don't know, podcast, you know,
0: podcast
1: the show every day and we get a lot of downloads on that. So off the app, off the website and, uh, yeah, man, five to seven. If you
0: can't be with us live, join us when it's good for you. What about when, uh, don't you do weekend baseball show?
1: Oh yeah. Chin music Saturday mornings, nine to 10. You can podcast that. If you want to hear more about Babbitt, we talk about it all the time. (laughs)
0: Exactly. All right. We'll save the state of WWE and XFL Two. For another visit at another time How i look that? forward to it gall you the best thanks thank you sure let's end with this today again the internet has proven it is making all of us worse people in fact awful people at that you may or may not have heard of the story but apparently kim cattrall's brother was missing and then was found dead Kim Cattrall being the elder cougar siren on Sex and the City, the once-popular HBO show, which has been dormant for quite some time. They made two movies out of it. We're going to make a third movie, but apparently Cattrall did not want to be part of it. I guess we know more now why. So after her brother ends up missing and then dead, Sarah Jessica Parker, the lead in Sex and the City, sent out the following... Social media post. Dearest Kim, my love and condolences to you and yours, and Godspeed to your beloved brother, XX. That then made Kim Cattrall reply back on social media for all the public to see. Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not, my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. Quote, unquote. Cattrall then linked to an October article in the New York Post headlined Inside the Mean Girl Culture That Destroyed, destroyed Sex in the City. In there, apparently Catral said that uh, she was not friends. Her relationship with her co-stars was, quote, toxic and said that, sarah jessica parker could have been nicer than she was okay um why would kim cattrall do this oh that's right it's the internet and people have lost their ever-loving minds why would you then make this public i guess it's a way to put a sick burn on Sarah, sarah jessica parker in public i suppose Maybe she was genuinely sick of Sarah Jessica Parker glossing over the fact that they aren't friends and how dare you give out condolences for my now dead brother. But when Kim Cattrall says, I'm tired of you using our tragedy to exploit, uh, in order to restore your nice girl persona, what has Kim Cattrall done? She has exploited her own tragedy of her own brother to settle a score with Sarah Jessica Parker publicly she just did the thing she used this occasion to go oh because who who else would know that oh kim cattrall and sarah jessica parker have a beef and ooh, here's a condolence tweet or something that you know sarah jessica parker has sent out no one's gonna know this is gonna wash under the bridge if you want this time in this moment to be about your brother's life And the tragedy that you are enduring, why would you then come out and make it about you and decide you're going to slam Sarah Jessica Parker as this bitch? Which, by who knows? Probably, yeah, she probably is. And you're telling me, Kim Cattrall, that you are as sweet and pure as the Driven Snow and you never were a bitch, really? By the way, Kim Cattrall is an old bag. I just got to say that, okay? She's not nearly as hot as she thinks she is. None of the gals on that show are nearly as hot as they think they are. Why would you watch so much? I watched my share. I didn't watch a ton. I watched my share. But she made a ton of money off that show. Short of being stabbed in the thigh with a six-inch buck knife by Sarah Jessica Parker, you know what, maybe... Kim Cattrall, you should just shut up and count your money. Because last I checked, other than that movie Mannequin that you were in, you hadn't done shit until the show came along. You got fabulously rich. They got fabulously rich. You made two shitty movies on top of an already meh, suspect show itself that was a hit for a brief period. You got to really drag this stuff up now? You got to beef with Sarah, then call her ass. Call her ass privately And air it the hell out. But it's the internet, and it's 2018, and people continue to lose their minds. It's just, come on. Let's stop being awful, people, and think just for a second. That'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. You know the drill tell two friends, leave a positive review harangue people on message boards. You've got you to listen to this Apecast. It's the greatest thing ever. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play. Now go wax your luge sleds, everybody, and we will see you next